Jason Scorse, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great in the middle of the summer here, and that you're enjoying life as best you can. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the kind of the old ways of thinking that I see giving way because I do think there's a lot of really good stuff happening. You can really particularly see it in the youth. Uh, when I hang out with young people and see a lot of my friends, kids, and even my nephews, you can really see a kind of new consciousness arising that's a lot more tolerant, a lot less wedded to old bad habits of thinking. I think in a lot of ways more empathetic and so as much as a lot of people are worried about kids on their screens and the kids being spoiled and all that, I don't really see that. I'm not saying none of that exists, but I see a lot more positive creative energy emerging and I still really believe it's it's the current older generations that are most uh, responsible for a lot of the negative and destruction in the world. I, I often joke that if I could replace the entire Trump administration with random 10-year-olds taken from, you know, around the country, I have 100% certainty that it would be a better administration. So I really think the youth is where it's at, and it's up to us and the older cohorts to make sure they have a world that they can inherit and take over that is not destroyed and plundered. And, you know, another angle on this, as much as there's an incredible amount of darkness in the world, and particularly in the United States at this moment, the the freak out from the right wing and from the old power structures, remember, this is a sign of weakness, not strength, right? This is the surest sign that the wickedness knows its days are numbered, right? If white supremacy and the right wing was confident and they had full control of the direction of society, they wouldn't be freaking out. They wouldn't have thrown their lot in with a racist monster who knows nothing about anything, although clearly he is a very good, useful idiot for the the forces of destruction. But I really do want to stick on the positive here today and and talk about kind of modes of thinking that I think need to give way to new modes of thinking. So kind of out with the old, in with the new, because the reality is so much of the destructive practices and behavior today, and not just in America, but everywhere, is just so much historical inertia so many customs and traumas and rituals and cultures and just baggage from millennia that have just that we're carrying with us and it really needs to go away right and we really need some fresh thinking and some fresh 
perspectives. So I want to give a, a little anecdote here of something that just happened the other day, and then we'll get into kind of the real substance of the episode. So this was one of my neighbors who I love dearly, great person, but we were in my backyard and it was him and his wife and me hanging out. And I have a plum tree in my backyard that was really full of fruit. And I was telling them to go, you know, eat, go pick some plums and eat them. I had eaten a couple. Uh, the the wife of my friend picked some. She was eating them. And he commented, he goes, are you sure those are clean? You know, aren't you going to wash those off? And me and her started laughing because... This guy eats all kinds of junk food and crap. And she just started laughing, you know, out loud and said, with all the stuff you eat, you're worried about, you know, a plum on a tree, you know, an organic plum on a tree. And what it was just, we had a good laugh over it because clearly it made no sense, right? It made no sense that you'd be worried about, you know, whatever little dirt and there really isn't any dirt on plums fruits on trees but you know to be worried about that but yet you know shovel junk food and processed meats and dairy foods you know all day with without really a, a thought that's just backwards thinking right and so the reason i point this out is cuz so many things that just pop out of our mouths are just really just backwards thinking from some weird ideas that were planted in our mind usually you know a long time ago that we've just stuck with and so this episode is dedicated to the kind of the basic paradigm shifts in our thinking that we really need to free up space for this kind of new more just egalitarian world that we are going to build so i don't know what the destination for humanity holds. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what that much better society is going to entail in terms of specifics. But I do know that if we are going to get there, we are going to have to replace a lot of our erroneous thinking with other more constructive ideas or we're never going to get there. So that's what this episode is about. I have a few core kind of ideas that are stuck in most of our brains that I kind of want to help, you know, help to dislodge and loosen a little so that some better, fresher thinking can enter. And so after the break, uh, we'll, we'll get started on that project. There's battle lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Okay, so the first topic I want to touch on is near and dear to my heart and it is so ingrained in our thinking that even I, who have really tried for many, many years, decades, to dislodge this thought from my mind, I have been unable to completely because it is so intrinsic to kind of modern humanity. And this is the dichotomy between humans and animals, right? Most of us, I would say close to 100% 
of the seven to eight billion human beings that are alive on this planet today have grown up in cultures and have it ingrained in their thoughts that we are humans and everything else are animals. That there's this fundamental dichotomy that we stand apart from the natural world. This is completely 100% false. There is no such thing as humans versus animals. There are human animals, and we are a subspecies of form of primate, but we and chimpanzees and whales and insects and, and mice and rabbits and dogs and cats, we are all part of the same fundamental natural order. And ultimately, in fact, there is no such thing as nature as apart from something that would be non-nature. It's all nature. There is no dichotomy, even though clearly when we look out at a, you know, a, a mountainscape and rolling hills, and then we look at, you know, New York City skyline, one is, you know, quote, human world and one is nature. But even that is a false dichotomy, right? Nothing in that human city came out of anything but just natural elements that we just configured into a particular way. Right, So this notion of kind of humans versus nature is just fundamentally false. It's just wrong at its core, right? There is no biological hierarchy. Humans do not sit atop some grand species tree. There is no moral hierarchy. Humans are not better and more moral and more deserving of more moral thinking than other parts of this creation. Now, clearly, uh, we are very powerful, and there is not much other life on Earth that is similar to us. Although we do have some close cousins in our, you know, in in the primate species, but there is just life on Earth in all of its forms. Right? We are simply one strand. Obviously, a very powerful one, but we do not sit on top of anything. We are just a strand in this mosaic. And there will be new species at some time in the future that are more powerful and more advanced than us. Evolution will see to it unless we destroy things and uh, destroy all life on the planet. And in that case, it will still happen that new things will evolve and uh, and very likely eclipse us in terms of cognitive and, and creative powers. So even, even putting aside the future, on many dimensions, there are other animals, in, you know, other of our cousins who are more powerful and more awe-inspiring than us on many dimensions, whether it's a bird that flies or a, you know, a whale that swims through the oceans and communicates through symphonies over thousands of miles, or the bird that migrates and flies over you know, the Pacific Ocean thousands of miles. Right? There's plenty that exists right now that on many dimensions is more awe-inspiring and powerful than us. Now, of course, I'm not trying here to belittle humanity. Our creativity, our intelligence, our ability to build tools and adapt and build societies and cooperate is incredible and clearly unparalleled in many ways uh, with, from you know, the, the powers of other creatures. Although, you know, go look at an ant colony 
or go look at, you know, the fungus that's, uh, you know, connecting tree forests of trees for you know hundreds of miles. And there's quite a lot of cooperation and, and deep intelligence going on at many other levels. But the point being here is this fundamental dichotomy that we all are kind of inculcated with from an early age, that there's humans and everything else and that we stand apart. That is, again, false. And I think once you really understand that, once you really grok, that you as a human are just part of this mosaic, part of this tapestry, it should hopefully uh, help you approach life with some humility. And I think that is the most beautiful and powerful result of this change in thinking. So after the break, I'll come back with the next thought uh, about zero-sum thinking. So today, when you look around, zero-sum thinking really is in the ascendant, right? So this is all the beggar-thy-neighbor kind of policies, everyone closing ranks. It's at the source of kind of nationalism, anti-immigration, uh, competition amongst great powers. It's this feeling that if someone else wins, I lose, and therefore, I have to make sure other people lose because that's the key to my success. The zero-sum thinking is clearly comes from our evolution in the sense that we, for most of our uh, lives as a species, existed amongst deep, deep levels of scarcity, right? So we are hardwired to feel that there's scarcity, right? And that we need to hoard and get as much as we can and perhaps in those original um, times when humanity was developing, there really was something to that zero-sum thinking. It's very unlikely that evolution would have hardwired us with this thinking if there wasn't a lot of truth to it. And one can imagine that if there was drought or famine or it was really hard to find you know, nuts and berries and, 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 and animals to eat, that you know, one's gain was another one's loss. And so we can certainly understand, you know, the roots of this thinking. And these roots are so deep that many of us feel envy and jealousy much of our days, right? Think about social media, which is basically a huge FOMO, right? It's everyone kind of putting out their best faces and their best experiences, or at least, uh, uh, you know, a version of them for other people to envy and feel jealous of. And it has given rise to so much anxiety and loneliness and pettiness. And, and what's really sad about all of this is many of us can probably admit that even when our friends have great success, many of us feel jealous or envy 
And it makes us feel bad about ourselves, right? Because that type of pettiness to believe that, you know, other people's gains are are kind of somehow belittle us is very toxic. And this, these forms of competition, again, at the higher levels, you know, lead to so much greed and really at the root cause of so much conflict and destruction and clearly a lot of the kind of racism and, again, anti-immigrant sentiment. And what's important to recognize in this day and age in the 21st century is that this is clearly false. The zero-sum thinking is just straight up wrong. And the reason is, is because the source of our wealth in this modern era is knowledge. It is knowledge and information. And those are not finite. My getting more knowledge does not prevent you from getting knowledge. It is literally a bottomless well, especially with the technology that can disseminate information and knowledge quickly and conveniently to all the corners of the globe. So the reality is, in this day and age, the more people who have opportunity, the more everyone benefits, right? So think about this. Given that knowledge is evenly distributed in the population, right, there aren't some groups of people that are, you know, smarter than others. There might be individuals, but in terms of groups, once you start casting a wide net, knowledge and innovation and creativity is evenly distributed. So this means that in the billions of poor, uneducated people in the world, there are hundreds of Nobel Prize winners, innovators, people who would cure illnesses and disease, but yet whose lives are being wasted because they don't have the opportunity that others of us have. So we have it exactly backwards to think that giving tax cuts to corporation and the rich trickles down to us. It's exactly the opposite. It is our knowledge, the knowledge of the masses, the knowledge of educated, literate people that then trickles up and leads to the creation of new products and, and, and universities and, and uh, you know, cures and innovations that then lead some people and, and some societies to accumulate wealth, but it's the exact opposite of the view that somehow there are these great individual innovators out there whose wealth then trickles down to the rest of us. Wealth trickles up, and and the better way to think about it is it accumulates, right? It's all of us as individuals, you know, learning and thinking and innovating and building and joining together and cooperating, and that accumulates into the wealth of society. So think about it even at a more basic level. Think about how boring the world would be if we just had food from one culture, right? And we had music and literature that was very limited to my own little tribe or my own little band, right? Because having great Chinese food doesn't make me appreciate Mexican food any less. And having, you know, liking Madonna doesn't make it harder for me to like Caribbean music. Right? These are all positive sum exercises, right? There is no amount of you know incredible food choice and music and culture that cancels any of it out. It just further enriches one's lives. So we should all be rooting for people everywhere to raise themselves up and spread their creative works and their knowledge because we will all be the better for it. So you can have a very kind of egalitarian view of the world completely premised on enlightened self-interest. It doesn't have to come from altruism. It's just better for all of us if everybody rises up and expands their knowledge. 
So trying to circle the wagons around one's relatively small band of you know, culture and social norms and, and trying to ho- help hope that you're going to keep this pure is really the ultimate fool's errand. So we should celebrate the, the kind of mass uh, empowerment of people everywhere as that is the true wealth for society. Okay, so the final kind of core thinking that we need to replace with some new thinking is on the source of morality, right? And this is perhaps the most consequential of all the mistaken old beliefs that humans have, which is that morality comes from external sources. Clearly, this is what religion is all about, looking for an external source of morality when it is the opposite that is the truth. There is no external morality. The forces in the universe that slam asteroids into planet and lead to mass extinction or send tsunamis into highly populated areas killing hundreds of thousands of innocent people or the evolutionary forces that have been unleashed over you know, millions of years that have created all sorts of nasty parasites and disease and petulance, these do not answer to any higher purpose. Right? These are just the natural forces of the universe at work without any higher moral principle. They're just doing what they're doing, enacting their own genetic code out onto the universe. And you know the consequences are for others to deal with. Right, The parasite, the tsunami wave, the asteroid doesn't have feelings. It wasn't directed by any greater power. And its consequences are clearly felt in very incredible ways but they don't have any moral force connected to them, right? Morality on this planet only exists within minds. And I say minds because it's not just human minds. Other animals have moral codes as well, though no, not, you know, they're not clearly as sophisticated and intricate as ours, but most other societies, whether it's whales, dolphins, even packs of wolves, they have their own moral codes as well. And so notions of right and wrong and good and bad behavior come from our own deep emotional intuitions. To the extent that societies are moral, it is because people choose to make them so. It is from our internal emotional intuitions that we then create moral systems. And to the extent that the world is full of immorality and injustice, it is our fault. It is we cannot point to any higher power or to anything outside of us to look to. It is on us. And so while the great mystery of creation, I think, should make all of us humble, our role in establishing moral order should imbue us with a great sense of responsibility because there is no deity that is going to save us, no higher power that is going to tell us what to do. 
There is only what is inside of us that we then manifest in the physical realm. And so it is really up to all of us to live our values and to spread you know, truth, justice, kindness, and to really build a moral order that we can all be proud of. And that is, I think, you know, my, my highest calling is to really try to help model that behavior as best I can uh, so that maybe others will, will draw some inspiration. antidote for today, I just want to put out there that your values and your ideas are your greatest currency. They are truly your own and there's, they're things that no one can take from you. They can guide you and keep you mentally strong until your dying days. They are really truly the core of you that really should inform everything that you do. And so those ideas and values that you hold dear, interrogate them. Make sure they come from a place that makes sense. Make sure they're truly your own and they're not just things that others have planted there. Right? Really interrogate them deeply and say, does this make sense? Do I, do I really want to believe this and have this as a kind of guiding force in my life? And when you are through with that and you feel strongly about those values, cherish them. And also refine them over time, right? They should never be 100% static, right? There is no end point here, right? They must be refined. And then, like I said, hold them dear. Because these are really for you to fall back on when the trying times in life, both personally and more macro, when you see terrible things happening in society, knowing that you have some cherished values and ideas that can guide you can really get you through a lot. Because, you know, life is short, but you can live it how you want to, and you can be the person you've always wanted to be. And I think uh, that's something that is certainly worth investing the time in. So with that, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Stitcher. Review it. Rate it. And uh, with that, everybody, have a great rest of the week. Take care.